languages can you speak? I don't think it's uncommon for people to speak two or three. And that's amazing. I love it when I see that. But what's happening is some languages are becoming more common and others, well, they're isolated and we are losing them. In fact, it's estimated that 30% of all languages will vanish by the end of the century. And there's a lot of work to be done to save those languages that are right there on the bubble. Andrea Valentino is a freelance journalist based in New York, joining us now to talk more about this. Andrea, thank you for being here. My pleasure. What kind of work is being done? Like, how do we save these isolated languages? Um, I think there are a couple of ways. I mean, the important thing to know is that isolated languages, in terms of their vulnerabilities, don't, they aren't, they're not different from any other vulnerable language. So in other words, we need to encourage people to speak them. Um, we need to encourage people to use them in school. We shouldn't discriminate against them either socially or, or legally. Um, in, in my work, I covered Basque, which is uh, probably the most famous isolated language in the world. And a lot of people who speak Basque might feel comfortable speaking formal Basque, but they don't feel comfortable speaking their family's dialect. So I think it's important for, for politicians and, and society in general to encourage people to speak whatever form of language that they may speak. So tell us about that, because I know that, that there's been a lot of work done to try to save the Basque language, but what has that been like and how did they do it? Um, well, Basque for a long time was discriminated against during the dictatorship in Spain, uh, the Franco dictatorship, which lasted for a long time. Um, other minority languages in Spain, like Catalan, also uh, suffered this fate. In other words, they were uh, banned from school. Children weren't encouraged to use it. It was banned from public life. Now, since the end of the dictatorship, there's been a lot of work done in Spain, particularly in the Basque country, which is, has autonomy in Spain, to reintroduce it. So um, a, a lot of children... I think now a, a majority of Basque children now learn Basque in school. Um, Basque, uh, you can use Basque in politics in, in the regional parliament. Um, there are Basque television uh, channels, uh, Basque books. Um, and I think this speaks to the, the wider point that uh, uh, an, uh, any vulnerable language isn't going to live or die based purely on policies. It's also based on how people actually use it, because obviously any language is only valuable. You know, it's only going to survive if people actually use it in their day-to-day life, and it's not simply an affectation. Okay, so that's one example of that, though. But are, are there certain areas of the world where there are concerns about the language that is used there and how to save it? Um, uh, pl- uh, plenty. I mean... Uh, to give you an idea, uh, Ainu um, is an isolate in, in Japan, and um, that, that that language is dying. Um, very few people speak it. I, I Before coming on, I was doing a bit of research locally. You're in, in Vancouver. There's the Haida language in British Columbia, and barely 20, 25 people speak that language. So a lot of these languages, both language isolates and other vulnerable languages, which are slightly different, are very vulnerable to extinction. I mean, by the end of the century, uh, hundreds of languages are, uh, about, are going to go extinct if, if things continue as they are. What happens when we lose a language, Andrea? Like, what, what value, hap- what do we lose when that happens? I think you lose an uh, entire way of thinking of the world. Um, if you speak a foreign language, or if any of your listeners do, you can probably think of uh, a turn of phrase or a particular word that's untranslatable. And every time that a language goes extinct, 
we, we lose that. Now, isolates in particular, especially vulnerable because a language like English, um, it's a member of a family, a broader family of languages that are related to each other. So imagine hypothetically if English were to disappear tomorrow, a lot of the grammar and vocabulary encoded in English would be able to be revived in another language like German or French or Italian. But a language like Basque, Basque is completely unique. There's no other language at all like it in the world. So once Basque, were Basque disappear or were Haida to disappear, there would be no other language that you'd be able to fall back on to, to uncover any of the, the linguistic aspects that a language like Basque contains. Right. So there's no relation to other languages. No, exactly. Okay, that's interesting. And so is it because some, some languages are just becoming more common, like more people speak English now or more people speak French and, and those are just becoming more widely known and some of these isolated languages are becoming even more isolated? Um, I, I think it's true that globalization uh, is reducing the number of languages that need to be spoken. I'm, I'm half Italian in a country like Italy people grow up speaking regional dialects that are almost their own languages and they're dying out because as migration happens, people uh, end up just speaking formal Italian. Um, as far as isolated languages are concerned, I think they're especially vulnerable because uh, they're so distinctive. That's what That distinctiveness makes them really powerful and interesting for linguists to study, but it also makes them very difficult to learn for outsiders. So again, to go back to that Basque example, if you speak French, you probably can understand a bit of Spanish. But if your listeners go away and look up Basque, uh, a text in Basque, they won't be able to understand a single word of it. It's completely different from any other European language, which now that isolation in itself makes it very difficult uh, for outsiders to, to, to learn the language. And I guess also for speakers, it discourages them from bothering because if you can speak French and you can learn Spanish, why bother speaking Basque? Right. Are we getting better at this? Like you mentioned, even here in BC, there's obviously indigenous languages here that we need to work on. So how how can we do that? What kind of support do those languages need? Um, an, an obvious thing is money. Uh, in other words, encouraging education. I mean, some Iceland languages, particularly in places like Papua New Guinea and remote parts of Africa, haven't even been studied. Um, we don't really know what the grammar is. So just in, uh, funding research and funding linguists to go out to these places and write grammars and interview local people to understand what their languages actually are is one thing. In a more general sense, I think it requires a cultural shift. In other words, um, as I said earlier, encouraging, not making people feel ashamed of their native language. Um, I think a lot of these minority languages, isolates and not isolates, people due to politics and culture may feel unwilling to use their language in public life. And I think that's a shame because um, I think every language, isolated or otherwise, is part of our collective heritage. And I think it's always important that just as uh, we have a collective heritage in art and music, I think language also fits in that. So true. Andrea, thank you for your time. You're welcome. Thank you. Andrea Valentino is a freelance journalist based in New York who studies culture and languages and talking about the fact that, you know, we are losing languages out there. In fact, 30% of all languages are estimated to uh, perhaps vanish by the end of the century because some of them are just in isolation. Andrea gave the example of Basque being one of those languages, but we have quite a few of them, uh, indigenous languages right here in BC that obviously need a lot of support too.